Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you live from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on May 17th, Thursday, May 17th. Uh, ahead of the LA Galaxy's big game, big travel to the Montreal Impact on Monday. That's right, we have to wait all the way until Monday, which means that you get to listen to the show at least two or three times. Uh, and I'm holding all of you to that until the LA Galaxy actually play on Monday in Canada at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Wonderful time for all of us listeners here. We have a uh, great show lined up for you, as always. A bunch of things to talk about. We're going to get to your calls and your questions as well. So if you're listening on the live show, stand by. Here we go. Uh, you're getting ready for your calls here very shortly. But, of course, joining me on today's show is someone who hasn't been back in the studio for a little while now, but we're glad to have her back. Please welcome Miss Wendy Thomas. Wendy, thanks for stopping by. Oh, thanks for having me, Josh. How are you, how are you doing? Because we haven't uh, talked in a while. So first, I, let's just start there. I am doing great. I mean, I do wish my Galaxy were doing a little bit better in the standings, playing a little bit better. But other than that... I think the weather's been beautiful. I've hit up a couple of good new restaurants recently, been nice. spending some quality time with the boyfriend, time at the beach. And I tell you, Josh, Los Angeles ain't bad. Not bad at all. I mean, I think you and I were talking before we started the show. I've been traveling to a bunch of places. You go places, you come back, big cities, gorgeous places uh, all over the world, Wendy. And you come back and you're like, you know, I, that, that place was really cool, but I kind of like it here. I kinda, it, it, it's not so bad. Yeah, it's funny. After the last two vacations that I took, uh, one to Germany and the other to Spain, both times when I came back, just driving back from the airport with the window down, I thought to myself, is the weather always this nice? Is it? Is it?" And then I don't recognize it when I'm here because when you go someplace else and you experience the weather of other cities, then you come back to Los Angeles and you're like, whoa, it's, it's perfect weather, no humidity, fresh air off the ocean. This is... I mean, we are kind of lucky to live here. Yeah, we we are. We are. And the LA Galaxy are damn lucky to be located <laughs> here in Southern California where all of us can go see them as well. Now, if they could just, I don't know, straighten up and fly right for a little bit here, we might have something that might be that might border on entertainment because we only we've only had entertaining things happen really twice this year. You could say the first win against Portland and then, of course, the win over LAFC. Now, I I've been arguing, Wendy, and I've seen it on Twitter over and over again that people keep saying the best game the Galaxy have played is against LAFC, and I would argue that you gave up three goals before you scored four, and you got kind of lucky on that one, and it was, hey, one of the most entertaining games I've ever seen. In fact, it is the most entertaining game I've ever seen. It'll live in my memory forever, but it was not a good game played by either team, in my opinion. Oh. Absolutely. No, I mean, that was the first hour of that game was total agony and we were shambolic, oh. as the English would say. Yes. The last 30 minutes was brilliant. It was, but it was part of it was the moment. And the other part of it was just the spectacle of everything of Zlatan and the comeback and the first rivalry and the stadium was just off its rocker and just, it was, it was everything. And that, that game was the single most entertaining there you go. soccer experience I've ever had. But in terms of quality, I mean, both teams were just, you know, yeah. just, just uh, like, you know, they were uh, both terrible and great, which is, <laughs> not, it doesn't make for good soccer, but it just makes for entertainment. And if you're a fan, what you really want is to be entertained. And yes, you do want to see quality, but I think that MLS is a league that, you know, uh, wherein parody is king. And so in a parody league, primarily it's about entertainment more so than quality, because at least in a parody league, you know that there's a chance within any given game that either side could win. Um, so I, I think that game was exhilarating, thrilling. I'll never forget it. It was spectacular. But in terms of whether we played well, we played terribly for mo most of it. So. Yeah, yeah, and and so hey, the last thirty minutes was exciting. That's fine too. Yeah. They, they played well. That's fine. Uh, by the way, uh, terrible great is terra great or <laughs> or gradable. 
It's gradable. gradable. It's gradable. Uh-huh. That's how. That's the LA <laughs> Galaxy. Sometimes they're gradable. Uh, I, that one sounds like the most positive. If you said it to somebody, they'd be like, "That feels like it's more great." So maybe TerraGrade or, or yeah, TerraGrade is the is the one we should be using. We have we've sort of had a TerraGrade year actually, <laughs> writ large. I mean, you could say we can't really win a game in the past five weeks or so, six weeks. Can't win a game, but. We signed Zlatan, and every time I go to the stadium, I'm just like, God, it is so nice here. The weather, everything. It's like it smells great. It's the whole experience of the stadium and the weather and the fans. I feel like the fans, there's been awesome attendance this year. I feel like people have been really excited in the crowd a lot. So that whole component of it has been great. And then it's just really the soccer part. It's just that just, part. Just the soccer part. It's just, just the, that part. The tiny, the tiny little part there that is, uh, that is the soccer part. But before, by the way, before we go, are you a Laurel or a Yanni? I need to know this before we uh, go anymore. Yanni. Okay. What, what's the? I don't even understand what. I don't understand how it could be any other way. Yeah, uh, we're pretty sure people who say Yanni are psychopaths. So I just wanted to make oh, sure that that was how oh, it was working. Like, what are you talking because, about? It's, it is Yanni. No, it's clearly Laurel. That's how it works. Have, did you hear the other one? The brainstorm green needle today. By the way, oh, if you haven't, oh. everybody needs to look up. That I know, I know. It's like you know, we're trying to be hip and cool, but seriously, the Green Needle um, brainstorm one melts my mind more than Yanni and Laurel. Everybody in my office, by the way, is a Laurel except for my dad, who's a Yanni. My wife is a Laurel. Uh, so the smart. Wait, I don't understand how you could hear Laurel. I, so I heard it once. I heard it once. By the way, Can I you, heard Yanni is- once. And then every is this other the time you can play. Can you play? I don't have it. I was. I w- the people know. Trust me, they know. It's the dress thing all over. Everybody knows. And if you don't know, just Google it and you'll figure it out. But anyway, that's if I, I'm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that anybody who hears Yanni, much like probably Zlatan Ibrahimovic hears Yanni, is a psychopath. That's the only thing I'm saying. If I'm in the same boat with Zlatan, then I say the rest of you are the psychopaths. It could be. It could be. Absolutely. All right. Let's go on to the LA Galaxy and get a little bit into this. Uh, MLS came out with a chart today. A chart that I've sort of been keeping track of, if you've been paying any attention to my uh, by-the-numbers you know, charts and graphs that I do on Corner of the Galaxy every week, basically every week, almost every week. I missed one so far, but really, whenever you keep losing, it's difficult to, like, find new ways to put numbers. <laughs> um, so I missed one, like, but this last one was, um, I've been keeping track of how difficult of a schedule the LA Galaxy have, and I've been looking at the average table position of the LA Galaxy, of the LA Galaxy's opponents. So where did they rank in the table? And I update it every week, so that way, as you go, those those either get more difficult or less difficult because, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you beat Portland and Portland was crap because they were at the beginning of the year, but now they're starting to find some form. And so as they climb up the table, by the end of the year, you get a reasonable understanding of how difficult your schedule is. Well, MLS went at it a little bit differently, Wendy. They went average points per game of the opponent, all right, which is which is a great way to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Um and they came out with a, I don't know, I don't think this is going to be surprising to anybody. If, if you had to guess where the LA Galaxy ranked on the, on the difficulty of their schedule, where do you think you would put the LA Galaxy right now? Do you think that they've been playing well, easy teams or have they been oh, playing no, hard no, teams? No, 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 we've had a very hard schedule because we had to play Atlanta. Um, we played NYCFC. We've done at least a couple of trips back east. And that always exacerbates any conditions. And we played two games in Texas. Like we had, we've had, I I know we've had a hard schedule. I don't know how hard relative to other teams, but I, you have to think we've had one of the hardest schedules. The the LA Galaxy, according to MLS and their average points per game of the opponent, the LA Galaxy have the second hardest schedule in the league. And that second hardest schedule is, this was surprising. The person who has the hardest schedule is New York City FC. And when you realize that they're near the top of the Eastern Conference and they've had a ridiculously hard schedule, in fact, their opponents' points per game average 2.0. That's ridiculous in terms of how much how high that is, right? But anyway, when you look at it, it's 2.0 for New York City. So you have to think this is sort of one of those things. How good are teams, right? So New York City is a good team. We now we this this chart proves it. We know it. Um, now you look at LA at 1.79. So really, the LA Galaxy have had a very difficult road. DC United is right underneath there. DC United, another completely horrible, struggling team uh, right now at 1.70 on their opponents' po- opponents' points per game. Seattle, Colorado, LAFC 
So LAFC is playing well. Um, they're averaging about 1.55 points per game of their opponents. So that means they're probably a good team whenever you look at how these things go. But, I mean, I look at this, Wendy, and there's a whole bunch of them. The, the, here's the, the team that's played the easiest schedule, by the way. Get, can you guess who has well, it's, played? I would have to be Toronto because they took off they took off time because they were going all out in Champions League. They were like, they, they, they played, um, let me see, who did they play? They, I know that they like had a bye week and then they also were playing like a second string just that, like, because they were doing string. the Champions yeah. League. Yeah, a T2 team, as they, as they said. Yeah, so Toronto <laughs> had, the, had the easiest schedule in the league, which should ring alarm bells in Toronto, even though there's certainly a bunch of Toronto fans out there making excuses for them uh, right now. And just like you did, you gave it, it's, it's correct, that's right. They did a whole bunch of things. But really with their schedule and what they've been doing and dealing with injuries, you'd expect them to be... Uh, be better than they are right now. So I think there's some alarm bells there in Toronto. But it leads me to to sort of the question, Wendy. You look at these standings, you look at all these different things that you've seen, and I've ranked the LA Galaxy schedule as very difficult so far. In fact, I think I have them uh, overall. They've uh, their average, the average position of their opponents on the supporter shield table is 7.8. So basically you're top, talking that every game the galaxy have played so far, the teams have averaged uh top eight in the league, um, yeah. which, which is difficult. And this is saying basically the same thing. Whenever you look at it, um, it's saying that the galaxy have had a very, very difficult schedule, but there's this other thing that's been nagging in the back of my head. And the thing that's been nagging in the back of my head is that the LA galaxy also haven't looked great in any of these games. Now, granted, they've lost the last three games, three goals, three goals to two, all right? So they've been in each of those games, but in no parts of these did I ever feel confident that the Galaxy were going to win those games. Um, so they're, they're not passing the eye test of me saying it's simply just a matter of the Galaxy playing a difficult schedule. How do you feel on that? No, I mean, we, we have real deficits as a team, and we haven't played well in a few games. I, don't, I mean, there's been moments... There's been moments of great play, but those moments are usually confined to remarkable individuals doing things really well. If Ashley Cole makes a phenomenal 30-yard uh, shot to Zlatan's head, that's that's Zlatan and Ashley Cole doing something great. Whereas there's obviously huge deficits in the back line. Um, you know, I don't know what exactly to do about that. There's probably a lot of problems between the coaching staff and the players. Um, and also in terms of, but I mean, we have talent. If everyone uh, marshals that talent and there's a coherent plan for them to execute, then there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to win, provided people don't lose their cool, start getting angry at each other and pointing fingers. And right. I think as long as the locker room remains because I'm think I'm just thinking about Zlatan's autobiography and how, you know, he's a bit of a spark plug, him. Yes, he, and, he tends to be, yes. <laughs> and so I just hope that the uh, locker room remains uh, coherent and that the players are still supporting one another <clears throat> and that if everyone can get on board in terms of the players and the coaching staff that we could execute a game plan and win a game. I have full faith and confidence we could, though I have serious concerns about the back line. Um, and so I think it's both. I would also say that we've been absolutely brutalized by the refs who have made so many bad calls against the LA Galaxy, Galaxy this year. And we've had, I think, a pretty hard travel schedule because yeah. I, there's been, we've gone back east at least twice and so usually you only have to do those a few times a season um, those big trips um, so I think that it's been a combination of the there's a lot of factors travel refs difficulty of opponents um, problems in terms of not knowing what they're supposed to be executing and then getting used to players players being injured there's a lot of reasons but obviously we are not doing what we should be doing. I mean, every team in MLS, I'm sure, makes these same excuses. And ultimately, we're not doing what we should be doing. And we need to hold, you know, everyone accountable, hold ourselves accountable, hold the players accountable, hold the coaching staff accountable. Everyone is sort of accountable for it, even though there are good reasons for why we're not doing better. We're clearly not doing well. No, no, not doing well. Um, we knew going into this, the LA Galaxy have the second hardest travel schedule in terms of miles traveled in the league. So, I mean, if you were looking for a 
a season that all the stars were going to align and everything comes back. I think this is going to be a difficult one to do it. You look at the opponents that are coming up, and there's some winnable games in here, and you say winnable in quotation marks because I think we figured out that the Galaxy are not one of the you know top eight or top ten best teams, but outside of that, I think they're actually pretty competitive. I think that they can beat F- a team like FC Dallas right now. I don't think FC Dallas is out-talenting the LA Galaxy, so I think they can beat them. They didn't in Dallas, and on the road, you certainly get a deficit there, and things happen there, so that, that's that's fine to understand. But games that I've been disappointed with are Houston. Like Houston is a game that the Galaxy can win and should win. Um, can they do it at home, where they should have, you know, granted, I always give a, a home team at least a half a goal advantage, and so whenever you look at these games that are really close, you say, okay, so does the home venue make that little bit of change? And I don't know the answers to that yet. I don't know how the other... I mean, certainly we've seen that the Galaxy haven't won a bunch of games at home. Um, but you, I, I think there's a there's a way forward for them to do that. But as we talked on the last show, it's going to take a lot. Uh, I think the Galaxy have to average 1.57 points per game in their next 24 games to get to 48 points, which is roughly the last team in in the Western Conference since 2012 is, is 47.8 points. So right around 47, 48 points. That's a ton of points that the Galaxy have to get. And that means winning games. And, you know, three wins on the season. You look at it, Portland... Portland's been a uh, a bit of a disaster earlier in the year. Chicago is, I'll be honest, I think that Chicago game was more a product of the weather than anything else, and Chicago is certainly not a consistent team right now. So you have that one. And then LAFC game. Listen, that's a rivalry game, so you might as well throw that one out in terms of what you can expect. I know the Galaxy are coming up, and they're going to host San Jose Earthquakes, and I think that's a team that they probably match up well against. But it's a rivalry game, Wendy. And with rivalry games, you can't predict what the score is going to be. And you can't predict what the outcome is going to be. You really have to sit there. And this goes across any sport and in any league across the, the, you know, the entire world. Is that in rivalry games, anything can happen. And so you sort of have to understand that whenever they play LAFC at LAFC this year, anything can happen in that game. It's I don't care I don't care what position either of those teams are in. Whenever they go in, it doesn't matter. Anybody can win that game. So that's that's the problem. I'm trying to put the LA Galaxy in a box where I can say they're this good or this bad. So that way we can understand. I don't I don't think you can. I mean, it's a little disheartening when you say that we're not the you know in the top eight or ten teams, which is absolutely correct. But that's really where you have to be to make the playoffs. And so. I, you know, I know that we have the talent to make the playoffs and, you know, do a, make a good playoff run, you know, not maybe all the way to MLS Cup, but to, you know, Western Conference Finals, something like that. We have the talent. Right. Something is, there is an impediment between um, our, us, you know, executing and showing that talent to its best ability. And there's something that is impeding us. Is it the fact that all of our designated players haven't played together or been um, healthy or been putting their best foot forward or ever really fully performed for the team? Or is it a fact that we don't have a coherent plan in place? Or is it the fact that, you know, people are becoming, you know, Zlatan just arrived and we have too many players in the same position. We don't have enough backup. I mean, we don't have enough in the back line. There's a lot of reasons for that. But you look at the team, the names on the team, and you just think to yourself, there is enough talent on that team, even if we don't have a good defensive line, which no one would say that we have a good defensive line. But even if we don't, there is enough people who score goals that we should be able to beat teams, even if we cough up a couple goals. Yeah, I, I and, think, uh, you know, maybe playing Kai Kamara in the wing isn't the way to do that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Ola Kamara, you mean? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah, the Sorry. other Kamara. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I mean, there's something to that. I, I think that the biggest thing for me, the, the Galaxy this year, is not giving up the first goal. I mean, that that's huge, and it's something that they have to not do. I mean, with FC Dallas, it was better. They, made them, they pushed them a little bit further. They made them work a little bit harder before they got it. Um, but, you know, they still ended up scoring first, and whenever you look at the goal, it comes off of just a poor turnover by Chris Pontius. You look at all the things that broke down there, and even Perry Kitchen. I know Perry Kitchen, people want to blame Perry Kitchen on that play, but he took a Rudy, and he pushed him, and he pushed him horizontal, and he kept him moving, and none of the defenders stood up to double-team him as he was coming across the line to take that, and it's like, I'm of the belief that Perry Kitchen's 
role in the starting lineup is going to be coming to an end because I think that eventually, uh, of course, this is after the World Cup, I think eventually you're going to put Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette in that role, and you're going to put Perry Kitchen on the bench because, yeah, you need defense, but quite honestly, this team has way more offensive power, and I think it's time to lean on people with the offense instead of trying to be defensively conservative and losing points on that. So I, I, I but yeah. I have a question. Do you think that one of the reasons that Perry Kitchen has come off in certain plays as um, looking poorly because he's been tasked with something that he can't accomplish because he because he essentially has had to compensate for errors that have been committed by the defensive line? Um, I think that I think that there's a lot of defenders trying to cover each other for defensive mistakes and that leads to the overall confusion so and I consider Perry Kitchen a defender he's a he's part of the defense uh the midfielder his job is his job is supposed to be when everybody's healthy Wendy he's supposed to be a defensive midfielder he's supposed to be a destroyer and when you give him that singular task I'm usually okay with the way he plays uh, I have a problem with whenever Jonathan Dos Santos gets hurt or you're not playing Jonathan Dos Santos or he's away on international duty where you expect Perry Kitchen to then be the provider and go forward with that and play the defensive side of things and put him in a double pivot or cr- with Carrasco. It drives me crazy. Um, it just well, doesn't work. See, that, that, that goes to someone being put in a position where they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing and they're, that they're not equipped to do, they're not capable of. And so then is that a, a question of... <clears throat> are are players being put in positions where they really shouldn't be put? Yeah, I, yeah, of course. Over, 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 and over again. Players are being played out of position. Ola Kamara out on the left hand wing. Um, Roman Alessandrini in the last game in the center. Why? I don't yeah, know. I know. It I no. Why? Why on earth is Alessandrini being played in the center? No, it doesn't make sense. And quite honestly, I don't love Sebastian Legette in the center either. I know lots of people do, but I'm just I'm like, okay, why don't we just get him back out on the wing? I'm I'm more of a fan of stacking. Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic than I think anybody else is because uh, the LA Galaxy don't deserve Ola Kamara. He has been a godsend <laughs> uh, sent to play the wrong position, score goals, and play defense. Uh, he's, I don't, the LA Galaxy would be in such a worse position if it wasn't for Ola Kamara. Um, it's ridiculous. That's oh, no, I completely agree with you. And I just, just telling Christian this past weekend, I was saying what we should do is put Zlatan and Kamara both up top because it does not make sense why you would put Kamara on the wing I have no idea why you would play Alessandrini in the center no idea I mean all these players you know I it's like well why don't we just have Ashley Cole play center forward like you know I mean there's a reason why these players spend years and years developing skills in a specific position and then it's like oh well, Alessandrini let's just chuck him in the center see what happens it's, well well it's funny you talk about Ramon Alessandrini I, lots of people have been asking what's been going on with him he's been struggling this year we've been seeing yeah. it um and granted a lot of that was uh and if you go and read Corner of the Galaxy uh there's an LA Galaxy notebook out uh COG's Larry Morgan went down to training twice this week uh went on Tuesday and talked to Ramon Alessandrini and Ola Kamara talked a little bit to Chris Klein as well so you can catch that and then he went today on Thursday as we're recording as well um, and he talked to Siggy Schmidt and Zlatan Ibrahimovic so it's a great notebook super full of uh, updates including injury updates on Jonathan Dos Santos which we're going to talk about and, and Giovanni Dos Santos coming in as well but one of the things is we were Larry and I were talking before he went out to training on Tuesday and we wanted to talk we're like let's talk with Roman Alessandrini we've noticed that uh, at least in the press um, that he has been uh, angry um, he's been angry after games. He's been angry during games. I he's, know, so uh, yeah, he's, he's so fresh. He's so fresh. He just he just likes throwing around his hand. He's he's Robbie Keane, uh, all, like younger Robbie Keane, basically. Uh, just French, to, French Robbie Keane. Uh, French, even maybe maybe even worse. So fresh. Only he thing cannot contain uh, the his only, anguish. The, the only thing that uh, he could possibly make him worse is if he was French Canadian Robbie Keane. Um, so anyway, but no, with Roman <laughs> Alessandrini. He's not let playing like he did last year. Uh, you know, people are asking if it's because uh, that that he's not the man, that he's not the man this year, and he feels frustrated with the way that he's being used. And I think there's certainly some frustration in the positions that he's been put in, Wendy. But, I mean, what do you see from him? I don't field? think it's that at all. That is not my sense of Alessandrini at all. I don't think, because, I, for, I mean, and I am as guilty of this as anyone drawing these little psychological narratives amongst the players because, you know, I think I have some keen insight into who they are. Right. And maybe I have no idea. I would think that if there's anyone who's playing the um, that particular game, that would be the Dos Santos' father um, because, you know, because he has this random idea that his sons are like, 
God's gift to soccer. Um, but I, I don't think that even they, even, even people who are ludicrously out of depth in terms of their place in the soccer world would not ever fathom to compare themselves to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. No one. I mean, they know that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a world-class player, that he has been so for many, many years, and none of them are saying to themselves, well, I, I could do what Zlatan does. Yeah, I mean... Same thing. Me, him, same thing. I mean, it's, you know, no one does that. And Alessandrini is not... He is not, um, he's not the type of player who would try to sabotage his team. He's very, he's, he works, in, he, every game last season, he was killing himself to try and win a game. He would love to win with this team. I know he would love to win with his team. He doesn't seem like someone who's a poor sport. I think that when I see him walking off the field, like after the Chicago game, he, you know, stormed off. He was very angry. I think it's because he's frustrated, one, with his own performance, and because he's coming back from an injury, he wants to be fully fit, and that's very difficult. Two, with how he's being played. And three, the fact that the team isn't winning. I mean, it, that's, I don't think that he hates Zlatan, or he, you know, he's jealous, or there's this, like, petty rivalry. I think that he would love to win with this team, and the fact that we're not winning drives him crazy. And when he feels like he's being misused, and that his skill set is not being brought to its best use, I'm sure that's really frustrating. Yeah, I, I think that that is. I, I will tell you the other thing, and this is only because I have now watched this team and watch players do this since 2009 and, and talk to players who have had this happen, and you always see some sort of effect on it, and you don't think you're going to, but there's always something, and it takes a little time of adjustment, is he has a new baby daughter. And anytime you throw Aww. in a young child into this, a brand new baby, there is added you know, stress, there's added responsibilities. There's, he's probably been doing stuff the, the same way his whole life up to the, up to a certain point. And now he has to adjust that a little bit and it's going to throw you for professional athletes. It'll throw you off. It'll throw off for sleeping habits. All sorts of things can, can be changed. Even if his wife or, or excuse me, his girlfriend is doing all of these things to, to try and do it. Um, so little baby, uh, Naomi, I believe is her name. Uh, oh, he's a daddy. That's right. Little baby Naomi is, is, is maybe causing a little problem. And that's, you know what? It's something he has to work out. But I also think that the injuries at the beginning, um, and all the things that have happened and the fact that he went, you know, he was playing with the team in one, in, in one, uh, formation. He gets hurt. He has to stay out. He comes back sort of whenever Zlatan comes back in and now things are sort of in an upheaval again. Um, he said himself basically that he's had to restart this like per, like have another preseason all over again to get his fitness up and get things up. So I think he's getting close. And the guy has had like two goals called offside. He hit the post a I couple know, times. So I he's know. he's getting really close. He's getting close. And here's the thing. I here I can solve both these problems. Here. Here's the thing. Ziggy, bud, bro, Alessandrini, he goes in the left wing. Very I just want to solve that for you. I know it's been confusing. Ziggy. Check it out. Left wing. Try it out. Right wing, uh, left uh, wing. Uh, I don't care. I don't care. Saying. I don't I'm care which saying. wing. Either one. Right wing. Put it right wing. That's I, right. I think he can play it either wing. But please, put him on the wing. There we please go. Please don't play him in the center anymore. And problem solved. With respect to him being a dad, I think that that's possibly something that fans a lot of the time are blind to, the notion that personal circumstances can influence how a player is doing. And I think we like to divorce ourselves from that because we like to think they're professionals and they could never influence how they play. But, I mean, if you remember when Yel Van Dam was here, there was he, – he was having problems, you know, in terms of not seeing his children frequently. And that was one of the reasons that he actually went back to Belgium was because he was removed from his children. It was influencing him personally. That came out on the field, among other things. But, I mean, that abs – I mean, you're a dad. You know exactly what – I'm not I'm – I'm a dog mom, not a real mom. I'm a dog mom. But you are a real dad. And I'm sure that your life is influenced a lot by virtue of the fact that whether you see – you know, your son. Yeah. Oh, it, it always affects it. I mean, and that's all thing. I mean, they affect every portion of your life, no matter where they are, what you're doing, that type of thing. There's always something in the back of your head. Hold We got a phone call here, so I want to try to get to this. Uh, 424, who's this? Hey, Josh. This is Hugh from Reddit. Hey, Hugh. What's up, buddy? Well, you guys were touching on the Alice and Dreamy topic, right. and I've been doing a lot of thinking lately, and I've been analyzing Alice and Dreamy's style of play during this season compared it to last season. And I've compared it to his three years at Marseille. Okay. Now 
when he was announced, nobody knew who the hell Romain Alessandrini was, right? He's right. not a recognizable name. I went crazy and I started looking into this guy, researching everything he'd done, his three years at Marseille. Fans weren't happy with him. They wanted him gone. Yeah. And that raised a lot of red flags for me. Like, why are, why are his fans at Marseille wanting this guy gone? Um, there's compilation videos all over the internet, you know, of his fumbles, his mistouches, his, his, his moments of, <laughs> let's just say, uh, his bad moments, right? This right. is Marseille fans putting this online. Uh, when it was announced that he was leaving, everyone on social media was just smack talking him in French and English. They were like, yep. good Britons, you know. Get out of here. A lot of red flags. He came and he did really well. But honestly, looking back at it now, it's like he might have just been the prettiest girl at the ugly girl ball. He had he had thirteen he, he he had thirteen goals and twelve assists last year. I don't care how, you know how I don't care how ugly or how pretty he was at the ugly girl ball, however you want to say it. You can't tell me that Ramon Alessandrini in Major League Soccer playing on the worst team in the league last year was not did not rise to the occasion and score the goals and do everything that you said he was going to that he thought he could do in this league. He may have been bad in 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 uh, Marseille. And certainly I looked at all those things as well. I saw all the compilations, we heard all that stuff. But to sit here and say that he was just the prettiest girl at the ugly girl ball is ridiculous. 12 13 goals, 12 assists. Double digits in both. I'll give you that. Give you that. And he he is a he's look the problem is here, okay, he is very one-dimensional. He's a one-trick pony, and I've seen it. I've seen it in comparison, and you know what? Teams know. They know how to stop Alessandrini now because he is useless on his right. All he does is switch to the left, same movement almost every time. And I'm sure, I'm sure teams are looking at, at highlights and they're looking at film and they're seeing this guy play and they're like, okay, we know how to stop Alessandrini. He's very one-dimensional. And we've seen it all season long. He's been stuck with the ball at his foot and defenders know how to stop him now. It may be a combination of recently, you know, he's a dad now, you know, he's not the star. Also, I just think teams caught on. They know how to stop him now. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's certainly there's certainly some of that. I'll I'll give you that. There's there's some of that. Anytime a guy has been is new in the league and is able to come in and do stuff, there's that. But seeing how he's played this year, and yeah, it hasn't been great. I still you can see that he's been inches from five or six goals this season. And with that being said, I'm like, okay, so you're almost there. If you're hitting goalposts, if you're forcing saves, if you're still getting shots, which he is, and yeah, he's losing the ball. And as a really, I mean, we're calling him a right winger. But he's more of a forward because he doesn't play any defense, right? We know this, and and that's how he played last year as well. So as a forward, which is really what he is, as a as a as a, one of those attacking players, that's kind of the deal that you live with. It's like Zlatan Ibrahimovic; he's going to lose the ball, you know, eight times out of ten. But those other two times, he scores goals, and that's okay. So I, I mean, I I am certainly critical of his play this year. Um, and I think you ha- or you're on to something when you say that other teams have sort of maybe figured him out a little bit. But I also think that once he finds his place in this offense with Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the fact is teams aren't going to be able to focus on him because they have to worry about a whole bunch of other guys as well. And if the Galaxy can get that going, Roman Alessandrini can score double digits and assist double digits again, even starting now 10 games in. Of course. That's what I hope. That's hey, my hope. hey, that's that's fine. Anything else? Uh, just a lot of stuff, a million and one things, but I know you have other calls and the show must go on. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, let's see. We'll do that and hit that button. All right. So, Wendy, I mean, I'm sorry I didn't even let you get in on that Oh, at all. that's okay. I like to listen to you talk, Josh. Oh, gee, thanks. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, so, I mean, that's where I sit on Roman Alessandrini. Hugh brings up some good points. I get it. It's It's there, but I'm not... Listen, there's a lot of problems on this Galaxy team. Roman Alessandrini is like 10th down the list on, <laughs> on of things I'm actually worried about in terms of whether or not they can turn things around. Because this offense is talented, Wendy. We know that. We know there's a lot of talent on the offense. If we could get them all firing in the same cylinders, if we could get them working together with the one coherent game plan, that would be so good. Even if we have a bad defense. I think that even if you have a bad defense, if everyone 
offensively is a threat and you don't cough up the ball too much, you can still win games. It'll be weird because you'll be winning 6-4, but you can do it. <laughs> hey, that's exciting soccer. I don't care. I mean, you know, hey, whatever. It's exciting. It's <laughs> not great. Let's some NFL scores. Let's Come on, guys. Run run up the score, boys and girls. That's how it works. Um, I am, I mean, it, it's you keep looking at this team, and I think the defense is something to focus on, certainly. But I What mean, are we going to do with the DeSantis brothers? That is sort of that was one of my next things I really wanted to talk about because because it goes there. The That's what I want to talk about. Well, I don't want to talk about the Desantis brothers. Well, well, the defense is going to be an issue, and you know the more I hear the guys talk about it, and I certainly talked to a bunch of players, talked to coaches, and everything. There's a big every time you hear them complain about the defense, they always say that the defending starts, you know, up the field. And that's the biggest thing. I was listening even on MLS uh, Soccer.com, and they had uh, Kalen Carr was on there, and I think he, they were, he was trying to say one of the big things he said that the Galaxy can focus on, which I've been harping on now for five or six games, is those transition moments. What happens when you lose the ball? Where do you go? And you're talking about the theory on the transition, you know, transition moments. Those those three seconds after you lose the ball can fill like books, and they have whole game plans centered around it, you know, in the English Premier League. So. That's something I think the Galaxy should focus on. But the big thing is I'm starting to think, and we have now for a while, that the Dos Santos brothers are more of a distraction to this team now than they've ever been. And I'm wondering whether or not this is just a World Cup thing. Is once they're gone, they go to the World Cup, they come back. Um, is it, you know, Are they focused then, or do, we, or do you think the Galaxy still have a problem with them? Well, I suppose it depends on whether you believe that the whole injury thing has been a pretext that has been either offered up by their brothers or their manager or their father um, to either ensure that they did not get injured prior to the World Cup or to, you know, having something to do with making sure that they get enough minutes of the World Cup or making sure they get selected for the World Cup because if they've actually been injured then maybe they'll have lingering injury issues. However, if they're going to play in the World Cup, one would think that they're not injured because you don't usually play in a World Cup game if you're not fit. And so I don't know. I mean, Giovanni Dos Santos has never actually performed for the team in a consistent basis for any length of time. Jonathan Dos Santos is capable of being a really good central midfielder. If he wants to, then I think that he could be really a crucial part of the team and that if he stays healthy, we really need him to be a crucial part of the team. I don't, Giovanni Dos Santos, I don't know. He, um, yeah, I, I, I really wish we could just like, trade him and get a different DP, but I don't think that that's feasible given that his brother is also on the team. Yeah, I, my, my big problem now is that, okay, so if I'm if I'm sitting in the front office and I say I got to move them, and I got to move them both probably if I'm going to move them, and so, okay, I'm going to move them both, what am I losing with Jonathan Dos Santos? In my mind right now, Jonathan Dos Santos is a great second midfielder if you have a number 10 that's going to sit in front of him and he can play the box-to-box role, or he's paired with another box-to-box midfielder. Perry Kitchen is not the box-to-box guy. So you know that you're going to put, be pushing Jonathan Dos Santos into that playmaking role, and that just hasn't worked. Uh, even whenever they drop him back when Gio's playing, then you're going to make Gio the playmaker, and we know that doesn't work. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of pieces that don't fit, and some of that is Zlatan. Um, and listen, I, I know there's criticism of the LA Galaxy in the fact that they went out and got Zlatan and, and that they created a team. You know, people are saying that maybe they shouldn't have gotten Ola Kamara if they knew they were going to get Zlatan and blah, 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 all this other stuff. There was no guarantee that Zlatan Ibrahimovic was going to sign this year. So if you wanted the LA Galaxy to sit on their on their hands and wait until to see if Zlatan would come, because he was very close to coming before, and that fell apart. So there was never any guarantee, basically, until he was on the plane headed to Los Angeles. That's whenever you knew he was actually going to be there. So you're having to, and you can't, Wendy, I know, I think you're on the same page. You can't say no if Zlatan Ibrahimovic wants to come to the LA Galaxy. He's no, you have to take him. Come on. Especially at $1.5 million. You're taking him. For the, for the, for the quotes alone. <laughs> yeah, hey. I've I've said it many times before that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is the is God's gift to the reporters and we deserved it after last year, all right. And having to deal with that team last year, so I mean, you look at all those things. Yes, there are some pieces that don't fit here, but I think you can solve some of these issues. But the big deal is that I keep solving issues by making sure that Giovanni dos Santos and Jonathan dos Santos aren't on the team anymore. And so that's my biggest hurdle now is that yeah, you can play Jonathan in a role. 
But you kind of need to move Geo out. And if Geo goes, then do you have to move Jonathan at the same time? If you do, then you move him. And we've been, this is not new. We've discussed this over and over again about whether or not it's going to happen. I, you know, I don't think if they have a great World Cup that they're automatically gone. I know lots of people think that. I think it's pie in the sky to expect that the LA Galaxy will move the Dos Santos brothers after the World Cup and that the Galaxy would suddenly have two open designated player spots. I think that's a dream and it's a lovely dream. And if it helps you sleep at night, go for it. Um, but I think you should be. I mean, you know, I think you should be prepared. Everybody should be prepared that Jonathan and Gio are here and all the way through next year. But um, here's the thing. Yeah. Giovanni Tensentis, you said it. Okay, so he doesn't work in the number 10 role. We've tried that. That doesn't work. He doesn't play well as a box-to-box box, box, box midfielder. He doesn't work on the wing. He doesn't work as a target forward. He doesn't work as a false nine. What? He doesn't work. Like, in any... He has played every position. He doesn't work in any of them. I don't know what to do with him. I don't know where he goes. I don't know what system he can work within. He's. It seems like since he's been here, we've tried every system. Every yeah. single system, every contortion, every position. And it just... There's not one position I can think of where I was, I've seen him and he's been... And, oh, yeah, that's it. We found it. If we did find it, I'm sure the team would go with it. But yeah. yeah, no, they haven't. They haven't. And it gets more difficult whenever you have all the players that you have on there and trying to play them. Um, you know, it, it's it's the toughest question. And I, I don't think this is Siggy Schmidt's fault. I don't think it's Dominic Kinnear. I, I think that, you know, being pegged with Giovanni Dos Santos is a, a handcuff on the entire team just because you're trying to always find a place for him to succeed. And I just, I don't know where that is. I would gladly put him on the left wing um, and let him be a left winger. But you're also, if you do that, then you're going to probably sit somebody like Sebastian Legette. And do I think, who do I want on the field more? Do I want Sebastian Legette? Do I want Giovanni Dos Santos? Do I want Jonathan Dos Santos on the field more than Gio Dos Santos? Yeah, I do. So, you know, I, you start doing all these comparatives where you sit there and try to say, well, do you want this player on the field or this player on the field? And every time I come to Giovanni Dos Santos, I can replace him with somebody else that I feel more confident in, or at least I know what I'm going to get from them. And that was always Bruce Arena's thing, Wendy. He knew what he was going to get from certain players. So he put them in knowing what to expect. They knew what to expect everything worked out. That's what I don't know is happening in this team. I don't know if the players know what to expect or what is expected of them from uh, from Siggy Schmidt and the game plan that they're putting together. Yeah, well, this is the whole theory. I mean, so Ziggy is very much the MLS coach 2.0, right? MLS 2.0, the second generation of MLS. But now we, I think we all agree we're in third generation MLS, right? He's he's like 1.0 whenever. Yeah, he's old 1. school. 1. Yeah. 1.5. 1. 1. Well, he upgraded. I mean, you certainly could say he <laughs> went through 1.0, 1.5. Maybe he hit 2.0. Um, but, you know, didn't have success with the Seattle Sounders in terms of winning an MLS Cup. So, I mean, that certainly shows you that that's MLS Cup 2.0 and he's not quite there. So maybe 1.5 is smart. So the question is... Here's the thing with getting a new coach. One, I would. who do we think would be a great coach for the LA Galaxy? And two, if you go with a foreign coach, how do you know that you're going to land in the realm of Tata Martino and Patrick Vieira as opposed to the realm of Rude Hulet, yep. Owen Coyle? Yep. I mean, there's a, whole, there's a whole laundry list of names. I guess you can call it the Rude Hulet conundrum. What <laughs> is, this is the Rude Hulet conundrum. We would like to go with a coach who could elevate the LA Galaxy and launch them into a new era with, you know, someone who really understands advanced coaching techniques, stuff, you know, everything that they do in Europe and blah, blah, blah. We could bring all kinds of, you know, gig and pressing and everything that we want to the LA Galaxy. But you need to also bring in someone who ha is really understands not only coaching tactics, but also who's willing to familiarize himself with MLS such that he understands, you know, the weird trades and the cap system and, you know, the fact that he's going to be financially in a bit of a straitjacket in terms of trades and buying players. How do you get, how do you find that coach? Yeah, I think you have to link, if you're going to go foreign international, you're going to have to bring in somebody as a coach and not a GM. And if you're, then you have to have a GM who knows the league better than anybody. Um, so if, for example, if you wanted to do this, you could, you could bring in somebody like Bruce Arena to be your general manager. Um, somebody who certainly understood how to put a team together. Now, I don't know if he would be interested in that role, but talking to some people, and I said this on the Monday show, talking to some people, 
there certainly is a suggestion, at least from these people, and they don't have any inside information, but they're saying, hey, you could bring Bruce Arena back in to be general manager right now. Like, that makes sense to them, and they know Bruce Arena better than I do. So I'm like, okay, so if that happens, then who do you get as a coach? And the answer is, you know, some people are saying that if you got rid of Siggy Schmidt, that it would be Dom Kinnear to, to sort of finish no, it out. No, well, that's, that's a step back. Come on. It's, it's not a step back, in my opinion, but it's a step sideways. It, it doesn't, but it doesn't do you any good. And what good does bringing in Bruce Arena do you as the GM if you're not going to try to solve the tactical issues that you have on the field? Because the Galaxy are in a tough tactical situation in my opinion because they have all these players and because we've seen Sigmund Schmidt play all these guys out of position it's a matter of balancing the formations that way guys are put in positions to succeed uh putting somebody like Ola Kamara it's funny he's scoring goals Wendy but you watch whenever he's scoring goals and it usually happens from him running down the center of the field right and so even <laughs> though he's a left wing all of a sudden he's running down the center of the field and he's scoring goals and you're like oh okay yeah that's 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 how it's supposed to work so I mean, this is this. These are the things. I think you can go out and get a giant name if you really wanted to. I mean, you know, you could you I can. I don't throw- want a giant name. I want someone who's going to be committed to doing it right. That's what I want. I don't. I'm not saying go get Jurgen Klopp. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that would be a good idea, though. If they, would, I think if they should. Could, yeah, if, if they could, they should Jürgen do it. Klopp, yes. Yes. Then get Jurgen Klopp. But if since that's not available, and Tuchel just signed with PSG, then I'm going to assume that we could get a coach who is nonetheless very capable, who knows a lot about tactics, who is much more sophisticated than most MLS coaches are in terms of their understanding of the game, but who nonetheless would also be committed to learning how to work within the confines of MLS. I think that person exists, particularly since AEG essentially has limitless financial resources and you could offer that person the opportunity to live in Southern California. Right. No. So that that exists, but I just don't know who that person is. No, I don't I, know how to and if if you could get, by the way, if we could get Bruce Arena to be the GM and find that person, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I know. That's everybody. You know, Bruce isn't doing anything as people say. You're the people have been yelling Jurgen Klinsman. I say no. Uh, hard coach. pass again that's he's like a gm guy though he's he, like another one of these guys who's sort of big good at some bigger larger things and really bad on the field yeah. what we really need is someone who's good on the field who Rob- knows how to put players in a position in games to win games robbie Keane. instead of okay well do you think i don't know do you think robbie Keane would be a good coach i have no, no idea not yet not yet. No. You, you give him some time. I think he can be, but I don't want to be. I don't think the galaxy should be that stepping stone. No, no, no. We should. St- we should. You know, we should go out and get someone who really understands what they're doing from a coaching level. I have no idea who that person is, um, but it would have to be someone. It would. It couldn't be a rude hulet. It couldn't be someone who comes in and just ignores things and says, oh, "I'll just do what I want," because you have to bring in someone who's really in- focused and intelligent and wants to learn. Ar- Arsen and- Wenger. Arsene Wenger. Oh, I think the you intellectual? might not be listening to what I'm the, the, he's, saying. He's an intellectual. He loves like problems like that. He's always looking for the undervalued person. I actually think that that might that's a great idea. No, actually, no, 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 no. Let's let him retire, Josh. <laughs> let's let's let him go. He doesn't want I'm to. Thinking, I, I'm thinking if we could find like a sort of Thomas Tuchel type, but not Thomas Tuchel. Uh, Greg Berhalter. Someone who is as good as he is at putting players in a position to win and letting them show their best selves. Someone at, and with a dynamic understanding of the game, someone exactly like him, but not him because he's at PSG. Because he's doing other things. Uh, but let's see, uh, Greg Berhalter. Um, no. Uh, no, no. He's. You're I, not I listening. Would, once again, I don't I, think I'm just throwing. I'm just. I'm just throwing out names now. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not doing anything. Anyway, let's go, let's continue on. I want to get to some other okay, things before ahead. we uh, before we get out of there. Um, power rankings, real quick, and just to give you an idea of where the LA Galaxy sit, it's not actually as bad. If I think that this team is in the middle of the pack, whenever I look at the Galaxy, I go, okay, they're not the worst teams in the league. They're not. They have too much talent to be the worst teams. So they're not the bottom five teams. They're not the bottom six teams. You know, who are they better than right now? And if you're looking at power rankings, how does that all stick up? And power rankings are a reflection of what you did last week, what your form is right now. The LA Galaxy sit in 14th in the power rankings, which I think is nice and maybe a little generous, but nonetheless, 14th, pretty good. But you look at the teams around them, and you can't tell me that those teams are light years better than the LA Galaxy. All right, so Houston Dynamo, we th- the, yes, they beat the LA Galaxy, but they're not light years better. You saw that in that game. Vancouver Whitecaps, not light years better than the Galaxy. That makes sense. Chicago Fire, clearly. Seattle Sounders, RSL, Philadelphia, Minnesota, San Jose. There's a bunch of teams that are worse than the LA Galaxy, which I think bodes well. 
if we're looking at how difficult the schedule has been, Wendy, then we have to start saying that the teams that are around the LA Galaxy are teams the game are, are games the team should win. And so as we go forward and we look at who the opponents are coming up, that's where we need to focus this next part of things is who can they beat and where can you start getting points? Because I think if you can start beating some guys and getting some favorable bounces, you get the ball rolling in the right direction that this team can then start to actually relax a little bit and start playing soccer instead of always chasing the game every game. So, I mean, does, does any of that make sense whenever you look at where the Galaxy here shown and sort of those teams around them? I think those power rankings are sort of stupid. Of course they are. Um, <laughs> I'm more thinking about, I'm thinking about the Montreal game. The Montreal game, I would think, Montreal I don't think is a particularly good team. They're we not. could beat Montreal, but for the fact we won't have either Dos Santos brother or Ashley Cole or Felcher. Am I right? Uh, well, Felcher's out for four months or whatever it is. He won't be back until probably after World Cup, I think. Uh, much after World Cup, maybe a month after World Cup, something like that. Right around whenever the transfer window opens, July 10th. So that's when you're looking for him. So Right. So he tore his peck. He tore his peck. peck. Yes, Pe- pectoral. So, but I mean, that means that we won't have our best defender or our best central midfielder. So, I, I think don't know. The, I think the Galaxy can win. I, I really do. I Ashley Cole needed the break anyway. Guys were running them into the ground, so that's fine. I have no problems with him taking a little break. That's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you look at this and you can reasonably say that the LA Galaxy should, you know. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit here, but it, they should get at least be able to get a point. And that's not the end of the world. It's almost a must win. It's not quite. It's a must win for psyches more than anything else. It's like you need a positive result right now just to break the losing streak and sort of get things rolling in the right direction. And then it's a short week on top of a short week. So those are things you have to look at as well. So all of these things are playing into it to sort of lead the Galaxy into position of if they can win in Montreal, all of a sudden they have something rolling. They host San Jose on the next Friday, so they go Monday, Friday, um, which is always fun. Uh, short, Nice short week. And then they go Wednesday again uh, with FC Dallas. So, oh, yeah. That's going to be brutal, man. They're going to try to jam all these games in right now, so that way they can do it before the World Cup breaks. So you're going to get back-to-back games here pretty quickly, although this is the It goes Monday, Friday, Wednesday, and then it goes back to Saturday, Saturday. Um, and then there's a nice long break for most oh, of the month man, of June. Oh, man, that is going to be brutal. So the Galaxy are, uh, they tr- they left, I believe they leave, let's see, they leave tomorrow on Friday. Um, they will leave Friday. They will, uh, actually, excuse me, I think they leave on Saturday. So they train on Friday. They will leave on Saturday. They will fly the, I think, six hours. It's like five hours and 45 minutes in Montreal. It's a ridiculously long flight. Um, so they'll go to Montreal, they'll get there on, on Saturday night, they'll train Sunday, and then they have a game at, at noon, our time, or 3 p.m. Montreal time, uh, to take that on. And like we said, the schedule, that's a Monday game, uh, at 12 p.m., and then you have a Friday game at 8 p.m. against the San Jose Earthquakes, and then you'll, of course, face off, uh, against, uh, the next Wednesday, May 30th, uh, against FC Dallas before traveling to Portland, and then the last game before the, the, uh, World Cup break is going to be Saturday. Day, June 9th. All right. So that that's sort of how their schedule looks right now. Um, to, to update everybody on injuries before we get to this, the, the full on preview of this Montreal game, Wendy, uh, Giovanni Dos, Dos Santos looks unlikely. Uh, he didn't train earlier this week. He's apparently dealing with a hamstring issue. Sure he is. So he's not going to be playing. Uh, uh-huh. or it's yeah. unlikely. Let's put it that Shocker. way. I don't want, I don't, I'm shocked, I don't, by the way. I don't yeah. want to say he's not going to play because there's still a chance, but right now it looks very unlikely. So if you're guessing your lineups, if this is fantasy, don't you don't want him on the team. You just leave it off. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos is going to play. That's fine. He'll be there for that. Uh, he picked up a Charlie horse, basically a, almost like a muscle bruise um, in that game against FC Dallas, the last game. Um, and so he looks like he'll be fine. He's been training all week. That's fine. So those are the only guys that you're missing in terms of injury besides Rolf Felcher, who's out again for up to four months. Um, you have Ashley Rolf Felcher doing too many bicep presses, just doing too many of those monster crunches where you're like crushing in the gym. That's what I think he was doing. I, I feel like, uh, I feel he, he, he did it when he fell. Um, so I think it was he fell awkwardly on his arm, and that's what did it. So if you imagine falling, like, kind of on your side and sticking your arm out and then ha- seeing, like, you can imagine how that could tear uh, if you did it. Yeah. yeah, it's not good. Uh, not good. So uh, the Ashley Cole suspension is because of yellow card accumulation, so you're not going to have him. Perry Kitchen is on yellow card warning, so if he gets another yellow card, he will be suspended for the next game against San Jose, so that's something to watch 
as well. Um, we've talked about the Montreal game. Montreal is 3-8-0, 9 points, 11 games played, ninth in the Eastern Conference, uh, 18th in the Supporters' Shield. And just to show you how close these two teams are, uh, LA Galaxy 3-6-1, 10 points, 10 games played, uh, ninth in the Western. So it's a battle of ninth place uh, teams in, in their respective conferences, and they're only separated uh, by one position in the Supporters' Shield as well, the LA Galaxy sitting in 17th. Um, the Philadelphia Union actually went up to Montreal the last game, and the Union got their first win on the road um, since uh, forever, basically, uh, against Montreal, where they beat them two to nothing. There were two red cards in that game, one to each team, and because of that, Daniel Lovitz will not be, <coughs> excuse me, will not be available to play the LA Galaxy whenever they uh, face off in Montreal. Montreal is uh, a grass field. I know everybody wants to say it's turf. It's turf uh, at the beginning of the season because they play inside, um, but right now they are outside. So that's grass, which means that Zlatan perfectly capable of playing in this game. Um, the other big thing, Wendy, is that it is Victoria Day in Canada, which is why this game is being played on Monday. Uh, Victoria Day, uh, obviously the, uh, the, the celebration of Queen Victoria's birthday. Um, and it's also sort of the unofficial start of summer. I looked that up on Wikipedia and everything, Wendy, just for you. Um, so that's where we sit with the LA Galaxy in this Montreal See, game. See now, Canada, we're no longer part of the Commonwealth, so we don't have to celebrate that day. That's right. We we threw tea in a in a in a in a yes. in, in the in the ocean. Is it the bay? It's the harbor. That's what it was in the harbor. The Boston Tea Party. Yes. Josh. Yes. They threw they threw tea in a harbor, so we're we got out of that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, but it's sort of, you know, it's sort of the unofficial start of summer, which is why it's a day game at 3 p.m. It's why it's being played on Monday at 12 p.m. So, you know, if you're going to sneak out at lunchtime, just make sure you have a good excuse for why you didn't come back in two hours. All right. That's all, uh, all you want to say. Uh, let's see anything else, Wendy, that like, really you look at this game and you say, what do the galaxy need to do? I mean, besides not let the first goal in. Josh, you're, you're, you're missing a huge point here. One is. It's it's French. It's it's uh, since it's Montreal, we're dealing with the Quebecois. Who cares if they take a two-hour lunch? They can take a three-hour lunch, four-hour lunch. You know, French Canadian style. You have to roll the way the French Canadians roll. I'm talking. I'm talking about all the normal people here in SoCal who are going to have to sneak out at <laughs> lunchtime in order to watch this. I'm like, I'm like, how am I supposed to do this? Like, is this is this a thing that I'm supposed to do? Like, where I'm supposed I to cover a game at 12 p.m.? Screens, two computer screens in my office. No one tell my boss. I, that's well, of course, that's what I'm going to do as well. But I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking of like the general gist of things. It's like, come on, how does this work? And why does it have to be this Monday? Whenever the Galaxy are short weeked on a Friday, who who does this scheduling? This was I, this, like, I think I sometimes think that MLS just hates the LA Galaxy and they just want to curse us. I swear to God, they really just they they give us we, the refs. I feel like go out of their way to make dumb calls against the LA Galaxy, and I just sit there and think, how how is it possible? How did this happen? Hey, it, how you, are you how are you a referee? I don't know. It used to be that the LA Galaxy got every call. All right, I remember back in the day, every <sighs> call. I remember the league made up rules for the LA Galaxy. There were all oh, sorts boy. of things that I remember have happened. People have told me these things that the Galaxy are the just everything is going to happen. People so, who don't watch Galaxy games tell you that. People who are not watching Galaxy games right. say that. I that's think. right. That's how it is. Uh, the, I think you're going to see an interesting lineup. Um, I would. Well, you'd have to because Ashley Cole's not going to be there, and so the Santos brothers are not going to be there. So I'm guessing Carrasco is going to roll out. And I imagine we'll, that Perry Kitchen will be there trying not to get a yellow card. So yep. that'll be interesting to see. Um, but what are you going to do with the back line? You have no Ashley Cole. So who takes over Ashley Cole's spot at left back? <sighs> I mean, normally I would say Dave Romney. Um, so that's probably who I would roll out. Right. So, so now who plays in Dave Romney's position? You know, the right back position whenever, whenever he gets. <laughs> yeah, I know. Converting Dave Romney from. I know. He's played as a right back. Yeah. Is there any way, since our back line is kind of dreadful, why don't we roll the dice and see what Hillard Arce has? Yeah. Hillard Arce, I think there's a good chance that he could play in this game. I think that if you're looking for somebody to fill in and people have been clamoring for him, I mean, I'd love to see Clementa. But just you're not seeing him, and there's got to be a reason. I'm not at training every day. I can't tell you what I see from him and why he's not playing. But you have to imagine there's a reason. There's got to be a good reason, and it's that he's not. They, they don't think he can succeed in that position. That's the only thing I can think of in that in that case. So I think Hilliard Arce, uh, 
is a great call. I think you could see it. You saw it in the Vancouver game whenever they were missing out on some guys, Ashley Cole. Um, so, I mean, if you're thinking of a back line that might work, it could be Dave Romney on the left. Uh, if you're trying not to change too many things, it's Dave Romney on the left. It is Shelvick in the center with Siani, and then outright could be Hilliard Arce if you wanted to do that. All right, so, I mean, that's, and that's, hey, people have been clamoring for a change to the back line. You're going to get it. So. Well, I mean, I, just because when things aren't going well, why don't you just try something just by virtue of the fact that you know what you're doing isn't working? Oh, we, I mean, just see what happens. Yeah. Change it, change it. Because you know, if we're bad, if we're gonna be bad defensively, let's be def- bad defensively in a new way. <laughs> At least you can check it off and say that didn't work, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the spaghetti method. You just throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Um, no, there let's is innovate. Let's innovate in being bad, you guys. I mean, there's certainly things that I think the galaxy could do. I think that instead of putting a double pivot with Carrasco in the center, I think that you could go kitchen and you could go legit and you could throw Boatang out on the left hand side and you could stack Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I really want to see that. I'm going to keep saying Legette it until can defend. I mean, that's the thing is that whenever people talk about tossing in. Uh, Geo as a winger, I always think to myself, well, you're going to take away someone who does defend and put in someone who doesn't defend. Whereas you could move Kitchen possibly back to the back line yeah. and put Lejet in as a defensive mid. You could. You could. I, I, you could. I, you, I don't love it. I'll be honest. I don't I, love it either. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't you love you it. just throw things. I know how it is. This is what I do all the time. I throw things out. I'm like, yeah, and <laughs> like, I write it down. No. What if you try this? No. Um, then I go, no, that's a horrible idea. That's because of this, this, and this. Um, I think that if the Galaxy stay in some way of a and don't shoot me uh, a four four one one or I mean you know however a four two three one with Ola Kamara up top however you really want to look at it there's ways to get speed into this lineup against Montreal this is different than the Vancouver game you can't just put five defenders back there basically like they did in the Vancouver game because you knew Vancouver was good enough to beat you Montreal is good enough to beat you but you can beat Montreal you really need to go for points you can't sit there and be conservative so if you're going to play the wing backs like you did in the last game where you have three central defenders and then you have Dave Romney as a wing back and then whoever's on the right hand side as a wing back as well you can do that but understand, you're, beat, you're, you're really playing for a 0-0 draw there, and with uh, Ignacio Piatti on the other side, that's a dangerous proposition. That dude can drop a goal in at any time. One of my favorite players to watch, by the way, over on Montreal, Ignacio Piatti. So um, I think that you can't be defensively conservative against Montreal. I think you go in there, and you try to ram it down their throats, and you do that with the most offensive lineup you can, and that means that you go four defenders back there if you even want to go three defenders. Maybe that's an idea, but if you're putting any wingbacks in, they're offensive-minded, not defensive-minded, and that's going to be, that makes that a more difficult proposition for that particular formation. Yeah, and also I think because the Galaxy, since so much of our talent is concentrated in the offense, um, you know, it, it sort of reminds me of that old uh, soccer saying that the the def- defense begins with the first defender and the offense begins with the first defender. You know, you try, know, try that one again. That try, you know, yes. it's, it's the, the theory that since we have so much offensive talent, the way we can defend is by throwing our firepower at them so that we they cannot. So they're overwhelmed uh, with the offense. And so they're constantly in a position of trying to um, get us off the offense, because if we can't really defend, then throwing a ton of firepower at them is maybe the way to overwhelm them. Certainly could be. Again, this game kicks off at 12 p.m. Pacific time. The game is on Spectrum Sportsnet. Spectrum Deportes, Monday, 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 May 21st, 2018, 12 p.m. kickoff time here in Los Angeles land. Uh, that's it for the uh, for the LA Galaxy. Again, a short week. Uh, we will have a show that Monday night, which is fun. So we'll have a game, and then Kevin and I will suit up and do a show immediately uh, basically that night, so you'll have that one, and then there will be a live show again next Thursday night, which you'll get all of about 24 hours of before the LA Galaxy face off against the San Jose Earthquake. So, uh, going to be a rapid fire sort of show here uh, in in the next week, and then there's a midweek game on Wednesday against uh, FC Dallas in the following week. So it's going to be a busy time. LA Galaxy will return home after the Montreal game. You'll get two games at home, another game away, and then another home game to sort of uh, settle everything out before the World Cup break goes off. All right. Uh, Wendy, anything else? You good? No. I'll see everyone at the next game, though. That sounds like fun. Tell people where they can find you. You can find me at Corner of the Galaxy in American Soccer Now and on Twitter at Bart's Blonde. All right. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And, of course, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our writing, all of our articles, all of that great stuff, cornerofthegalaxy.com, including the Corner of the Galaxy scarf. 
that's a great way to cer- certainly look at that, uh, and you'll certainly enjoy that uh, if you order one. All right. Uh, for Miss Wendy Thomas, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Thank everyone for stopping by and joining us on the live show. We hope you have a great weekend. Watch the game on Monday. All right? Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.